I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Athletic. Chapman, welcome to the Athletics England show. We'll be here throughout Euro 2020, bringing you all the latest news and insight from inside the camp with the help of the Athletics team of writers and special guests. We are delighted to have with us a broadcaster and host of the Offside Rule pod, Lindsay Hooper, the Athletics' David Ornstein, and our England correspondent, Jack Pitt-Brook. And to mark the start of the Euros, we're giving you the chance to access the Athletic for just a pound a month, so you get all of our great articles throughout the tournament for our best ever price. Go to theathletic.com slash englandpod to sign up. Theathletic.com slash englandpod and just pay one pound a month. So as you'd expect with the pod named The England Show, this preview episode will very much focus on the fortunes of Gareth Southgate's squad over the next few weeks. England will hopefully offer some relief from a domestic season that felt like it was never going to end at times. It has been a real slog for followers of most sides, but especially for our George, George Culkin, who covers Newcastle for The Athletic. He got all romantic and shared with us his hopes for England at Euro 2020. Hello, my name is George Culkin. I'm a senior writer at The Athletic, and here are my garbled thoughts about what success for England looks like. I think there's a human side to it, particularly this time. I was in Russia for a couple of weeks and travelled back while England were playing one of their games. I can't remember which one it was, but I watched it on my phone in Amsterdam Airport with a couple of other people huddling around me. And I had that sort of very strange uh, sense of not feeling like an outsider, not feeling like a hooligan, not feeling ashamed. We joined in. We were good tourists and our players were young and gifted and they were very open. And although I'm not kind of big on England, I watched that and felt vaguely proud, and I'd certainly like more of that. That would be success. I've also watched every Newcastle game this season, um, so I hope I have your sympathy. And it's been wearing and stressful, and a lot of it has been ugly. So I would like to care, but for that care to feel positive and life-enhancing and even expansive. And I think also that after the year and a bit that we've, we've all had, I, I want to feel connected again to feel part of something and I don't want to feel alone anymore. So to get to the point, success to me for England this summer looks like a beer garden on a sunny day with a match playing on a big screen. It feels like a three pint buzz and the promise of a lost night ahead. It looks like Phil Foden dancing across the pitch and it sounds like a cheer and laughter and it's friends and it's family. I profoundly will never talk about football coming home and all that bollocks but success does look like home and it feels like home it looks like being with other people and feeling all of it 
Have you got a tear in your eye, David? Wow, a lump in the throat for sure. I mean, George is a soppy <laughs> git at the best of times, but that was um, <laughs> that was extraordinary, spine tingling stuff. Do you reckon that is how it's going to pan out, Lindsay? Oh, look, you know, the image of the beer gardens and I, for one, will be at the fan parks this summer. So I'm hoping there will be fans there and turning up. I hope that will be the vision. Do you think, Jack, when George talks about the human side and the coming together and all of that side of things, that the England squad or maybe the England manager actually given his age recognizes that I think Gareth Southgate's number one strength in that job is his ability to read the national mood and to bring the England team and the English public together in a way that hasn't really been the case for 25 30 years like that you know Southgate makes that very clear every time he opens his mouth we've even found that with Southgate talking about the players taking the knee this week. When he talks about these bigger issues away from football, he's absolutely note perfect. And I think that makes a huge difference. When we look at how England are followed, how England are supported, do you, do you get it, Lindsay? And what I mean by that is I'm not sure I necessarily get it. I've covered every tournament since Euro 2000. And therefore, I've never been in England for a tournament. Therefore, sometimes I find it quite hard to get my head around how England are being followed back here when you're always out covering them. Yeah, and it is difficult to get that perspective because I, I've had that when I've been away at major tournaments and sometimes you don't get the furore that's happening back home. You don't understand what's going on in the headlines and you don't really get whipped up into the frenzy that sometimes the, the England fans can. I was at home for Russia and I did feel that for the last tournament. And I think we did need something to unify. The, the only other time that I've ever felt on par with how I felt with the, the tournament in Russia was London 2012 and the Olympics and the way that it all brought us all together. And I do agree with George in the sense that after the, the year and a half we've all had restrictions even being delayed now, and but finally lifting and looking like there's light at the end of the tunnel. I think this could be a way of really getting communities together but we all have to be on the same page. And, you know, the early indications with the taking of the knee haven't been great. You know, if we want to go down that route and all be as one, we, we need to start with that. It's interesting how Jack mentions that Gareth Southgate's been note perfect because we come into this tournament in a really different climate to anything we've experienced before. Uh, this is off the back of COVID and that is ongoing. And the issues around taking the knee... We seem to be in a very divided and fractious society at the moment. It's sort of bubbling under. There's a lot of tension and that's different, but comparable to what was happening at the 2018 World Cup, where by contrast to Lindsay, and I'm very jealous, I was in Russia and I was in and around the England camp. And I even stayed within the England camp when the team went away. Uh, I was in the town of Repino uh, with a couple of other colleagues from the BBC at the time because we were sort of camp reporters. So when England went off to all their games and when the nation was celebrating back in, in the UK, uh, we were in a, in, a, in, a, in a hotel restaurant watching on a projector screen when Eric Dyer scored the winning penalties. Yeah, we were throwing chairs around and screaming like children. But to see the scenes back in England were, were just extraordinary. And that came off a backdrop of Brexit, actually, that Gareth Southgate tried to unite people and, and did a really fine 
job in England playing their part. It, it, it's a national team that has always been at a distance in, in recent history from the public. And there's always been tension. There's always been a bit of a divide between the England team and the media. And then that replicates into society. But this was different because Southgate and the FA allowed a lot more access to the players. We mingled with them at their camp in Repino. We played darts. We talked to them in and around press conferences. There wasn't this mutual suspicion that led to a lot of better coverage we saw a lot of exciting players we saw a better performance uh, and of course England going to the semi-finals meant that the nation was elated in a way that we can only really dream about this summer it's going to be difficult with the restrictions and social distancing and and things like that but I really pray and it's just a it's just an opinion it's not educated but I really pray that in some form or another we can put all of this aggro to one side that's going on at the moment and try to be together which is going to be really difficult because of what Jack mentioned about the knee I fear. I think we all bought into that actually David in 2018 and we were all on board and and that togetherness and Southgate being the good guy. I think there's a shift this time and I think you know he's not going for prime minister so there is an element of wanting sporting success with Gareth Southgate. Now I think the Nations League there was still a lot of good feeling. I, I feel like now there are more questions about what he can deliver as manager he said himself didn't he he said if he doesn't improve on a semi-final run from 2018 then that will be deemed as failure and he said that himself Lindsay raises a really pertinent point I really really do hope that the nation is galvanized by this I'm really excited to be in the UK this time around and, and try and sample some of the atmosphere. And I know that friends are looking, getting together in pubs and there are, there are various gatherings where, where the atmosphere is going to be great. But England have a really tough schedule, starting with Croatia, team they lost to in the semi-final of the World Cup. Scotland are going to throw absolutely everything at England. This is going to be a monumental clash. England should get through that group phase, but whether they finish first or second, they're going to face a really tough next round. If they get through that, it's going to be an even tougher knockout afterwards. And so I do think there's a little bit of a tinderbox here because the nation is expecting success as well as wanting a celebration. And those are two very clearly defined differences. And Southgate, there was so much euphoria around him, the waistcoat, the performances, the young squad. But now we're, we're edging towards that goal the FA had of winning the 2022 World Cup. And I do sense on social media, I would say more than in the wider public consciousness, that Southgate doesn't have much slack. I'll be honest, I've reported on a lot of the stories around selection for the 33, the 26, and then Ben White getting the nod. And some of the vitriol towards Southgate is not encouraging. And it feels like he really needs to deliver or much of the public are going to say, we're not having you. And I think they then could, if they don't succeed, a real question about whether he continues beyond this tournament. If England play a slightly defensive or cautious team and they get held to a nil-nil draw, which is exactly the kind of thing that happens in tournament football, then I think people will hammer Southgate for not being attacked, for not being positive enough, for not believing in England enough. And it's ludicrous, but it exists. That viewpoint totally exists in the world. Well, we say there that we're trying to separate or we, we should separate the celebratory atmosphere to the winning sort of uh, necessity. But I think with Southgate, we also need to separate the statesman, which I think, univer well, actually, sadly, not universally, but among 
most of us, we really admire his words around the knee, equality, racism, and various other national and, and societal issues. But then we have to scrutinise on the football side. And Mark, you mentioned there, like, what is the, the divide over? I think one of them, if we're to really hone in, and Jack mentioned selection, is going to be Jack Grealish. When I'm looking at social media, there seems to be this feeling that he has to start without any question. And if he doesn't, Southgate is going to get an absolute slaughtering if England don't win. And that's how micro the, I'm just giving one example there, Lindsay, that's how micro the issues seem to have become. Yeah. And actually I'm on the, on a different camp to to the Grealish starting one, which I'll, I'll explain in a little bit why, but I can see how that would be a divider and it will come down to the results. I think ultimately as a tactician, Southgate has been brought into question a few times now. And I think it's that that everyone is is now going to judge. I think what he brings to the camaraderie for the team, the way that he has got that togetherness, the way he invited the media in, I don't think any of that can be criticised. But like I said, you know, he himself has now put a little bit of a, a benchmark on what he wants to achieve. So we have to go with him, I think. You know, success in this tournament for me is England playing to our potential and doing that means having a great manager that gets the best out of everybody in their positions, leaving nothing at the dressing room door. And if you get beaten by a better team, I think everybody can take that. We can, we can swallow it. But I think if we feel like something's been left, that there's this chasm that hasn't been tapped into, then there's a frustration. If I follow that then, Lindsay, England win all three of their group games, okay? Something bizarre happens in in the group that they are partnered with in the last 16. Well, I don't know. France end up drawing with Germany or whatever, and and results the other way means that Germany top the group and France finish second and Portugal finish third or whatever, and England get France in the last 16, who are, I think a lot of people would say, the strongest squad and the favourites. And England go out in the last 16 to France through a quirk in what happened in the other group. Is that an all right tournament? Because actually the quirk of what happened in various things in Russia got them to the semi-finals. But you cannot control the quirk, can you? You can't. No, you exactly. That's, that. my po- that's my point. So that's I, and my I point. think the, the danger is the other way of trying to get yourself to finish second in the group and aiming for that in order to try and avoid those permutations and then it having a quirk the other way. I think you've got to beat what's in front of you. And actually, if you're going to lift this trophy, you've got to beat the best. So if you've got to beat it earlier on, then that's it. But, you know, I think even if we face France in that next round and had a hell of a performance but lost to the world champions, I don't think we would all be crying into our pillows. Southgate's put the pressure on himself and said what he wants to do, the demands are, oh, you've got to go better than at the World Cup. Is Grealish the player that everything revolves around here for Southgate, both positive and negative? I honestly think that Grealish will be a player that will be huge in this tournament, but will grow into it. I mean, what we've seen with him is that he's had this injury towards the back end of the Premier League season. I don't think he's quite come back to where he was. The game against Romania I felt that he actually slowed play down a little bit at times and I think he is a very good weapon for us to have but I don't think we should underestimate what Sterling brings when he's running at defenders when he's drawing defenders out of their position and you know what if I was Southgate I think I would probably go with that for the first 60 minutes and have Grealish for the final 30 I think that 
is the best way to try and sting Croatia. Now, <laughs> I'm not Gareth Southgate, of course, but I know that Gareth Southgate is a big fan of Sterling and what he brings. Now, we might all be a bit critical at the minute and think this year delay to the Euros, probably for one player in particular, Raheem Sterling, hasn't been the best for him for this tournament. But yes, he might not be as, as clinical. He might have not had much game time as, as he did um, under Pep before. But maybe that is his hunger. That's his his driver for this tournament is to show what he can do. And, and I, and I just think that he, his pace and the way that he really draws defenders out, it is going to be really key to how we play. Yeah. There needs to be a collective breath taken here by the nation and uh, a bit of perspective brought to it. Firstly, Gareth Southgate doesn't tend to react to media or public um, pressure. He took the really tough decision to drop Trent Alexander-Arnold in March. And Mark, you mentioned at the top about whether he's on thin ice with the media. A lot of that revolves around what happened with Trent Alexander-Arnold. Many of us reported on it as well more recently. And then Southgate said he was always going to the Euros. Make of that what you will. It was Southgate that courted the controversy by leaving him out initially. And then on Grealish, there is some background here. You know, Jack Grealish didn't come through the England system and the FA place a lot of emphasis on that pathway. It is not make or break, but they do seem to look well on it. It didn't always go well for Grealish with the under-21s and A.D. Boothroyd, depending on who you speak to. There was a bit of tension there. Southgate and, and A.D. Boothroyd are very close to each other. And then every time Southgate is pushed on Grealish pre or post-match, he makes a point of not I think, anyway, personally, not lavishing praise on Grealish in a way that he did with James Ward-Prowse immediately and effusively. I think that's quite telling, his discourse around him. The public are almost baying him to coronate Jack Grealish and it, and it doesn't seem to come. And I, I think that's quite skillful. I, I also think it's quite resilient of Southgate to sort of have the courage of his, his own convictions and not to sort of build extra hype around a player who is going to have a, a lot of attention. But also, as Lindsay says, might well not start that first match. Because when I talk about taking a breather and, and looking at this with perspective and context... Raheem Sterling has been a very successful player and experienced over a number of years and for a club with Manchester City. He didn't have perhaps the finest of seasons, but Pep Guardiola has the faith to start him in a Champions League final. His penetration and his pace is quite something. He's ready for a home tournament. He, he's you know improved vastly technically and, and mentally. And it makes me think that actually, yeah, it's quite possible Grealish and a Jadon Sancho, for example, will grow into this tournament in a way we've seen with, with certain players. I even think back to what tournament was it? E e even tournaments like Euro 96, where we saw players starring towards the end that, that weren't necessarily stars early on. And, you know, there are players ahead of Grealish really in that pecking order. People like Marcus Rashford as well, that I think that there needs to be a little bit of calm in this conversation. But at Euro 96, you know, England were a, a, a Gary McAllister penalty away from potential disaster. And it shows that these matches are decided on very fine margins. The other thing as well, when, when talking about, you know, who's in form and pecking orders and so on and so forth is uh, Gareth Southgate, Jack, um, is loyal to players who haven't let him down in an England shirt. And that seems to come quite often above current form. Is that fair? Yeah, and I think that's 
one of the strongest arguments for Sterling starting on Sunday. Sterling is very much the man in possession. Like Sterling has, with the exception of the game when he was dropped after that um, incident at St George's Park back in late 2019, I think Sterling has started every competitive game for Southgate when fit for years. Like he's always, always in the team. And I know he hasn't had a great season for City. You know, everybody knows that. But I, I think it's a huge leap to suggest that Southgate will drop Sterling just because he's a little bit out of touch. And also, as, as David often points out on this podcast, I am quite old, Lindsay. And therefore, if people are, are listening to this who don't remember England sort of in the early 2000s, the only debate in the early 2000s was uh, Skulls, Lampard and Gerrard uh, and how to fit them all in. This feels like unknown in my lifetime that, to have the options that there are. And, and therefore... In some ways, th- these debates have to be have to be seen as a positive because I think going into previous tournaments in the main, you could have written down England's starting eleven for for every game. Absolutely. I mean, you go back to Capello, who moaned about the the number of English players he had to choose from. Hodgson was the same. It went all the way through to Allardyce's short tenure. And it's completely turned on its head now. I mean, we have cover in positions that the amount of options that we've had at right back. Um, at one point in tournament football, we were scratching around for that position. So I, I think it's changed incomprehensively and we have to approach this differently. I think the amount of caps as well that Gareth Southgate, is it about 43? I may have got that number wrong, but I think he's given about 43 caps to different players. It is a new generation. It's a new guard. It's a changing of the guard, I think, with this England team. I think one of the issues that Southgate encounters, and this is a flavour I get from less sort of um, social media and public, but more from people I speak to within the game, especially around the squad selection, was that he's talked heavily about picking players on form. And then uh, in the case of maybe, you know, Connor Cody, uh, Tyra Mings, we've seen maybe reputation and, and that trust coming to the fore. And I think it's a really tricky balancing act um, across the areas of the pitch that we've talked about, but also, you know, defence. Suddenly Ben White has come from just being with the wider squad for experience to a, a credible option to start on Sunday. Harry Maguire looks like he won't be fit. A couple of the others, as we mentioned there, out of form. And so the likes of Foden and Grealish are popular with the public. I feel there's a struggle between ownership of this team and that actually extends off the pitch to the taking of the knee and people booing it. It's almost like a lot of England fans feel this is our team. We decide if they take the knee or not. Then we want to decide who is playing in that team as long as you go out there and win for us. I do think that it will be difficult for England not to get out of the group and therefore it kind of buys Southgate a little bit of time whether he sticks with the trusted players initially which I think he will do or if he had gone um, a bit renegade and and brought in some of those more popular I think it will have pretty much the same effect the real tough decisions will come in that knockout phase and um, that's why maybe he has a bit of a stay of execution and on that first test David and, and Jack, it'd be great to know your thoughts from within the camp on that. Is Do you not feel that he's made the right choice here with Ben White? Because I was certainly in the camp for James Ward-Prowse at one point, because I do think that he offers something different in the team. Um, and, and, you know, Jesse Lingard's form, I'm sure he'll feel aggrieved too. But we had an abundance of riches there. And I think with the Maguire injury, I think the fact that Ben White can also cover in midfield as well for potentially Henderson 
it makes me feel like this is the first test he's had and I and I feel he passed it. I was probably sympathetic toward Prowse before the decision was made, but I think when he went for White, it was obvious why. Like centre back is clearly England's biggest weakness at this at this tournament. Maguire very obviously is not near being fit. And that leaves us with one one senior established international class centre-back in John Stones, who, if you've ever watched Stones play for City, you know Stones needs a good partner beside him. It's difficult to watch Tyrone Mings play for England and think there's the guy to be the good, the good solid partner for John Stones. Like, he just doesn't really look like an international class player at the moment. Has Ben White gone from being standby in the squad for a bit of experience to being the reliable partner for John Stones is that is that and has that decision been made on what they have seen over the last 10 days we've got a big piece coming together on the athletic about Ben White and people we've spoken to around the camp say that they've been pleasantly surprised by the quality the maturity of Ben White how well he's sort of slotted onto this stage in training in the two friendlies very quiet boy but I think he's taken them aback. Now, let's not get carried away. He is, he's not one of the world's elite centre-halves. But when you look at the options and what we saw, the evidence in those friendlies, which is a rarefied environment, it might be a different formation for a start. But Ben White has been one of the most impressive performers and consistent and fit. And there aren't centre-halves, of English centre-halves, that have done much better than him this season. And if we're talking about merit and his composure as well from what we've seen so far of course that can all change and and god forbid he plays and there's a mistake but i would be completely comfortable at this moment in time starting ben white in england's first game yeah i would mark and and that sounds quite sort of surprising to say but i I don't think much of the nation would disagree with that right now i think he would be a, a dependable choice alongside stones This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is The England Show from The Athletic. Keep up to date with all of our Euro 2020 podcasts and writing by following us at The Athletic UK. So bearing in mind then everything that we've discussed, all three of you are going to do uh, your starting 11 for uh, the Croatia game on Sunday. Uh, What you would do, not what you think Gareth Southgate 
would do. Jack, you can go first. Okay, so I'm going with a 4-2-3-1. It's a bit of a risk, but I think I think we've got the players to pull it off. So I've got Pickford and Gold, Kyle Walker at right back, Stones and White at centre back, Luke Shaw at left back, just ahead of Chilwell. Then in front of them, I've got Declan Rice and alongside him, Calvin Phillips to do a job on Luka Modric. Then as my three, I've got Raheem Sterling, who I think you need in the team because you need, you need pace in behind. Mason Mount, Phil Foden, Harry Kane up front. Okay, right. Okay, so Rashford on the bench for you for that. Uh, for that Rashford and Grealish and Sancho on the bench. Okay, right. Uh, Lindsay. I'm not too different to that. 4-3-2-1 formation for me. I've gone Pickford in goal, exactly the same back four as Jack. I've gone Walker right back and I'm presuming that Maguire won't be fit. So I've gone Stones and White centre back and Luke Shaw at left back. I've gone Declan Rice, Mount and Bellingham in midfield and I've gone Foden, Sterling and Kane and with my Little note that after 60 minutes, Grealish will come on for Sterling. Right. <laughs> oh, you've pre-planned your subs already. That, that is extra detail. <laughs> I like that. David? I really should have written this down. It's it's off the top of my head. So back four is oh, similar. Rubbish. That's what, what kind of rubbish England manager is that? You don't just do your team <laughs> off the top of your head on the day of the game, but go on. It's the modern version of the notepad. All right. Um, okay, right. So, so Pickford in goal. Got concerns, but he's he's the number one by a mile. Um, Kyle Walker right back, uh, centre halves John Stones and Ben White, and I'm taking Ben Chilwell at left back. Performance in the Champions League final spoke for itself. Sticking with a four, I don't think, despite much commentary around the back three, that Southgate's going to rip up what he did in the two friendlies just because of different personnel being available. I would like to see alongside Declan Rice. Jude Bellingham, only now that Lindsay mentions it, but I think he's going to go with with Calvin Phillips in there. And just ahead of them, I would like to see Mason Mount. And then the two wide players, I'm going to bottle this because I would take any of Grealish, Sancho, (laughs) Sterling. (laughs) But but you're dropping them. They're not started. But I'm I'm dropping them. So I need one that's creative and one with pace. I think he's going to take Sterling... And Rashford, I would say, I would love to see Sterling and Grealish behind Kane. I remembered Michael Owen at the 98 World Cup and somebody such as a Sancho is going to do that for England later in the tournament. Did we get there in the end? Did you Did you have 11 by the end of I that? I did. I stuck did my you? neck out. Okay. Yeah. The, 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 the differences were what? Chilwell, Grealish and Sterling. <laughs> I Poor mean, Phil Foden, David. Poor Phil Foden. No, 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 wait, no he, he fits into that bracket of shining later on, well, Michael Owen style, like Jaden Sancho. Okay. And just wanted to make one quick point on a slightly conservative approach or, or safety first, is that if you read the newspapers this morning, uh, there are comments from Southgate and suggestions that he was quite angry after the Romania match about players who were not attacking players who were not tracking back. This taps into the whole conversation about Trent Alexander-Arnold. The nation wanted him. Great attacking fullback. But Southgate was said to have certain reservations about his defensive qualities. And that's why he's got such faith in the likes of Kyle Walker, Kieran Trippier. I, I do think if especially a team of the quality of Croatia. Jack mentioned they're combating Luka Modric. If in doubt, Southgate is going to start with players who he 
guarantees will do that job, not only going forward, but also getting back. If you're going to be expansive, do it later in the tournament where risks need to be taken. I mean, hugely disappointing that not one of you went with uh, Mount, Foden, Grealish, Sterling, Rashford, Sancho, and Kane all in your starting 11. I mean, that's that's poor. And we'll get you You've lots just of done it. There are lots That's of abuse on, on social media. Lack I guess. of ambition. Lack of ambition. Poor. Uh, thank you, all three of you. Uh, we will have plenty more with all of you, of course, uh, throughout this tournament. See you all soon. Thank you. Thank you very much. Some really good articles on The Athletic at the moment. George Culkin, who we heard from at the start, has written a great article on Shearer, Gaza, Euro 96, everything that happened there, Scotland, the dentist chair, uh, all of that kind of stuff. And there's a really good in-depth article as well on how England have built their camps at previous tournaments. There's always, it seems, some fault with them, although maybe there wasn't in Russia, but they're either too remote or too dangerous. So you can find that article on The Athletic as well. They're just a couple that are well worth a read. And to read them all, we're giving you the chance to access The Athletic for £1 a month. Just £1 a month. It's our best ever price. You'll get all the articles throughout the tournament. Just go to theathletic.com slash England pod to sign up. Theathletic.com slash England pod and you will pay just £1 a month. That's it. Thanks for listening. We're back on Thursday when we'll look ahead properly to the Croatia game. The Athletic.